Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about recognizing stroke is Katharina Villanueva. Kat is the founder of Nest and Care, a private duty in-home care agency providing companion care, personal care, and skilled nursing services to families in and around Montgomery County and Howard County, Maryland. For the past 15 years, she has devoted her nursing career to caring for patients with neurologic and neurosurgical conditions in the acute, subacute, and chronic phases. She has worked at Keck Medical Center of USC in Los Angeles, California, before moving to Maryland, where she exclusively worked with patients with stroke as a stroke program coordinator at Providence Hospital. How are you doing today, Kat? I'm doing well, Jason. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for, uh, for joining us today. Looking forward to our conversation. Before we get started, for those joining us for the live webinar, if you have any questions, type your questions in. Time permitting, we will do everything in our power to get your questions answered. So Kat, let's go ahead and get started. Let's, let's focus on recognizing stroke. Okay, thank you, Jason. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk about stroke. So um, thank you guys for joining us today. Before I really go into the meat of this webinar, I wanted to build upon or build on why it's really important for us to be aware or you know, um, just learn more about stroke and recognizing the signs and symptoms of stroke. So first, I would like to talk about the stroke statistics. Um, every year, more than 795,000 people in the United States have a stroke. Really, that's a huge number. In fact, someone in the United States has a stroke every 40 seconds and every 40 minutes or every four minutes, someone dies of stroke. So let's talk about that for a second, right? In the course, the course of this webinar will be about roughly 30 minutes, and that's about 1,800 seconds. So in this 30-minute webinar, it, it's approximated that about 45 people in the United States will have a stroke, and about seven to eight will die because of stroke. So um, that's really a significant number. Stroke is the leading cause of long-term, or stroke is the leading cause of serious long-term disability. So um, if you have ever known a patient that had a stroke, some of them may get out of it without, you know, uh, with, with full recovery, but a lot of them will have significant disability. In fact, stroke reduces mobility uh, in more than half of stroke survivors age 65 and over. Um, let's talk about costs. Stroke-related costs in the U.S. came to nearly about 40, $46 billion between 2014 and 2015. And what's included in this cost is typically, you know, the medical treatment, the cost of medical treatment, the medicines that uh, people have to take after they have stroke, and uh, missed time at work. Stroke risk increases by age. So we know, and it's kind of like a known fact that um, a lot of older people are more at risk for stroke. Um, however, stroke can and do occur at any age. In fact, um, in, in my career as a registered nurse working with neurological patients, I have um, cared for over 2,000 stroke patients 
directly and indirectly. And a lot of them are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. So it can really happen at any age. In fact, even children can have stroke. Um, in 2018, one in every six deaths from card cardiovascular disease was due to stroke as well. So now I wanted to talk a little bit about some stroke facts. Stroke is a brain attack. So basically the reason, or I think the main reason why they coined this as a brain attack is because medical professionals really want people to know that this stroke is a medical emergency. It's just like if you equate it with um, myocardial infarction or a heart attack, in heart attack, what happens is that you have a clot in your heart and um, your heart tissues start to die, right? Um, in stroke, it's the same thing. However, uh, the brain is the one that is affected. So there is a clot in your brain and now your brain tissues are dying. Stroke can happen to anyone. We talked about that um, at any age and at any time. So really, it doesn't choose any time. You can have a stroke when you're sleeping, when you're driving, when you're eating, when you're at work, when you're showering. It can happen at any time. Two million brain cells die every minute during a stroke. Two million every minute. So in a course of one hour, that's 120 million brain cells that die, um, that die. So think about it, these brain cells really die and there's no regen, they don't regenerate. So once, you know, once it's dead, that's it, it's dead. Stroke is the fifth leading cause of death in the United States. So, um, so it's pretty high up there. Number one is heart disease, let me see if I can remember. <laughs> number one is heart disease, number two is cancer, number three is accidental death, number four is chronic respiratory, um, uh, chronic lower respiratory disease, number five is stroke, I think six is Alzheimer's and seventh is diabetes. So um, it's pretty high up there. It's actually the fourth leading cause of death in women. In fact, about 55,000 more women than men have stroke each year. So that's a pretty significant number. And African-Americans are twice as likely as whites to have a first-time stroke. The good news is that 80% of strokes are preventable through lifestyle changes and that there are medical options that exist um, that may reduce the effects of stroke if administered soon after the onset of symptoms. So let's talk about what is stroke, right? A stroke is a brain attack. We, we have said that. And it happens when um, there is an interruption of blood flow in your brain. Um, and your brain cells then gets deprived of oxygen and they begin to die. Now, the problem is that, let's say for example, um, um, so different parts of your brain controls different parts of your body and functions, right? So let's say for example, um, if I have a stroke um, on this part of my brain, which is on this side, um, this, uh, this part of my brain 
controls or uh, is where my broadcast area is, right? My broadcast area is where uh, is what controls my speech. So if I do have a stroke on this side of my brain, I will lose the ability to talk. I, like I will be completely aphasic or I will, you know, I'll have slurred speech or just some speech difficulty. So um, depending on what part of your, your brain is affected by stroke, you will present with uh, different symptoms. Now, um, in terms of the type of strokes, there are two major types of strokes. The first one is ischemic stroke. So ischemic stroke is the most common type of stroke. In fact, about 87% of strokes are ischemic. Um, it occurs when arteries um, are uh, it occurs when arteries are blocked by blood clots or by gradual buildup of plaques and other fatty deposits. So, if you look at this picture that I have uh, here, um, you will see that this is a um, an artery, right? And the yellow thing that you see on the side lining, the inner lining of this artery, are fatty deposits. Um, over time, they build up. And if you do have a clot that gets dislodged from somewhere else in your body, and um, it, you know, it goes on through your general circulation, and when it reaches this sort of narrowed pathway or narrowed um, area in the artery of your brain, it can get stuck. Right. So once it gets stuck in this narrow area here, um, there will be a, there will basically blood perfusion will stop. Blood flow with, will stop in this section and your brain cells in that area will begin to die. And that's when stroke happens. Now, the other type of stroke is what we call a uh, hemorrhagic stroke, and hemorrhagic meaning bleeding, right? So this occurs when blood vessels in the brain breaks and it leaks blood into the brain. Um, brain tissues doesn't like to be in direct contact with blood. 13% of strokes are hemorrhagic. So as you can see, compared to the ischemic stroke, it's such a smaller percentage, right? However, hemorrhagic stroke is associated with a higher risk of death than ischemic stroke. So it's really fatal. Okay. So now that we've talked about, you know, why it's really important for us to know about stroke and know about how to recognize them and uh we'll talk i'm sorry um now that we know about you know the importance of knowing about stroke and the types of stroke let's talk about how do we recognize stroke right um and really it's really very very simple um and this is going to be your takeaway for today is the word fast f a-S-T. That's just what you need to remember um, when we talk about, you know, recognizing the symptoms of stroke. So F-A-S-T. F stands for facial drooping or face drooping. A stands for arm weakness. S stands for speech difficulty. And T, it's time to call 911. 
So let's talk about that uh, more. Facial drooping. So facial drooping, does one side of the face droop or is it numb? So um, when you look at this picture that I have here in front of you, um, you see a woman and I ask the woman to smile, right? Ask whoever it is that you're trying to evaluate or assess to smile. Is the person's smile uneven or lopsided? So you can see here um, this woman's face, um, you will see that she is smiling on one side of the face, but when you look at the other side, this part of uh, her face is not moving, right? The, the smile is uneven and it looks lopsided. Um, you look at the eye, eyelid or the, the eyebrow here, it looks droopy as well as the eyes. The eye here looks droopy. It's because um, there is loss of muscle movement in that area or loss of muscle control. And so that's why it looks, you know, lopsided. The smile looks uneven. So that's one of the most common signs of stroke, F for facial drooping. Now we talk about A for arm weakness. Is one arm weak or numb? So what you do is you actually ask the person to raise both of their arms. And I'm gonna step back here for a second. Raise both, ask the person to raise both of their arms. And the, you know, normal is when they're able, able to raise both arms. But if one, if the person is having difficulty raising one of their arm, or it really takes significant effort to, you know, bring up their arm, one arm, um, or sometimes they may be even completely paralyzed. They can't even move a finger, right? And that's something that sudden onset, then um, that is really very alarming and that you must consider that that patient could probably, or that person could probably be having a stroke. Um, at that point, I mean, you don't even have to have other symptoms. If that is something that is sudden, it happened all of a sudden, and it's typically, you know, with stroke, it's typically unilateral, so it's one-sided. Um, then I would just call 911 right away, right? It's really a medical emergency. And I wanted to point out that with stroke, um, it's typically just, you know, one-sided, uh, unilateral, right? Um, so basically, uh, or typically, uh, when you have a stroke, a certain part of your brain, you know, gets the um, gets the clot, right? Or a certain part of your brain. Um, so let's say, for example, that I have a stroke on my left brain here. The affected side or my symptoms will appear on the right side of my body only, right? Because your brain your left brain controls the right side of your body, and then your right brain controls the left side of your body. It's contralateral. So when you have a left-sided stroke, you will see right-sided facial droop, you will see right, uh, right arm weakness, or you could even see right leg weakness. Um, so that's typically how it manifests. And then S stands for speech difficulty. Is speech slurred? So typically how you would assess this is that you would ask the person to repeat a simple sentence. 
Is the person unable to speak or hard to understand? Um, if you look at the picture here, this lady is saying the sky is blue. But you can see how it comes out is she's saying buff fry flu, buff fry flu. I am asking her to say the sky is blue. So you can see here that, you know, she's having really some slurring of her speech. And if this is something new and it's sudden onset, then definitely think that, you know, this woman may be having a stroke and that it's time to call 911. T is time to call 911. If the person shows any of the symptoms that we talked about, so it's F for facial drooping, A for arm weakness, S for slurred speech, even if the symptoms go away, please call 911 and get them to the hospital immediately. Do not wait. A lot of times, um, you know, a lot of times people people wait for uh, for the and in in, people wait in the hope that these symptoms go away. Sometimes they go back to sleep and say, oh, I'm just tired, or oh, I'm gonna wait for my son to come pick me up, um, you know, after work, things like that. No, do not wait, please. Um, and also what I would advise is that do not drive them to the hospital. Um, in the last 10 years, I've done a lot of community education, um, uh, yeah, I've done a lot of community education about stroke awareness, and um, in you know um, I've worked with actually a lot of the hospitals in Washington D.C. as well as the D.C. Fire EMS, and we've done education, community education about stroke you know recognition and awareness, and we always tell the community, please do not drive your loved one to the hospital. Because what happens is, and especially in this time of COVID and in, the, in this time of pandemic, um, when you bring your loved one to the hospital, what typically happens? Um, you you either park, you get to the hospital, right? You drive them, you get to the hospital, you either park or you drop them off the front and then they need to get registered. And then you have to wait for the nurse to um, get their vital signs. Um, and then they ask questions while you're here, blah, blah, blah. And then they ask you to basically, you know, sit down and wait to get triaged. Um, Two billion brain cells die every minute is what I want you to think about. Every delay, uh, every time, you know, every minute passes by, you're losing more and more of your brain cells. Um, when you call 911, the EMTs come like immediately, right? The EMTs come immediately. They are trained to um, know how to test for stroke or know how to recognize the symptoms of stroke. Um, and I know that because I used to teach some of their classes in the academy, um, the EMT academy. And so um, they know how to recognize this signs and symptoms of stroke, right? Um, once they do recognize that, um, you know, the person may be having a stroke, um, there will be two follow-up questions that they will be asking. First is when did the when did the symptoms start? And they want exact detail. What time exactly? 9 30, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, what time is it? 
um, they have to, it has to be precise, right? Um, and then the second one is I need a list of their medications. And really what they're looking for is, are they on any um, blood thinners? Because um, that's the information that the doctor needs. If you don't have that information, it's fine. Um, we can get that information later. But the more important thing is that we need to get uh, your loved one um, to the emergency room. Okay. Um, all right. Other symptoms of stroke. Um, this is what we call our sudden, so sudden numbness or weakness of the face, arm, or leg, especially on one side of the body, sudden confusion, trouble speaking, or understanding speech. So we talked about that a little bit earlier. Sudden trouble seeing in one or both eyes, sudden trouble walking, dizziness, loss of balance, or coordination. So um, we didn't talk about this earlier, but this is, um, Symptom, these are symptoms that uh, that um, that manifest itself when the stroke happens in sort of like the back of your brain here. So it's in your cerebellar area or your cerebellum, right? Because that's the one that controls your balance. Um, it's very difficult sometimes to um, consider stroke in you know like if you present to the emergency room and you tell the physician, oh, I'm dizzy. Uh, stroke is really not like the first thing they would think about, um, but it's definitely a symptom of stroke if, you're, if your stroke is in this part of your brain, in the back of your brain, right? So what they would typically do is they would, you know, check your blood pressure. And if your blood pressure is elevated and you're dizzy and you're not walking straight, then they know immediately that, hey, this could be stroke, and then they could activate um, a code stroke or a brain attack in the emergency room. Um, sudden severe headache with no known cause. So um, this, this is really an emergency as well. I know a lot of people have headaches, but if if you've never really had migraines or you've never really experienced, you know, um, consistent headaches, um, and this is sort of like the first time most people would describe it as, oh, I heard a pop in my brain or I heard a pop in my uh, in my head. Um, some would say. Um, this is the worst headache of my life. When someone says that, it's definitely an emergency because it could be a sign of a hemorrhagic stroke. And like we said earlier, hemorrhagic stroke could be fatal. Okay, so um, act fast. So please don't forget the takeaway for this presentation the word FAST, F-A-S-T. Um, if you experience one or more of these symptoms or notice them in someone else, even for a short time, and even, you know, even if it goes away, please call 911. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to also emphasize to, you know, the importance of calling 911 is that, you know, when you call an EMT, right, and they recognize the symptoms, they immediately call the hospital emergency room saying we have a potential stroke victim um, our ETA is 
three minutes or ETA is five minutes. So as soon as they hang up the phone, basically what the hospital will do is that they will activate their internal team. So they will call, they will do an overhead page in the hospital. Um, and typically it's like a code stroke or a brain attack brain attack team emergency room brain attack team emergency room right so um they everybody knows that there is a stroke victim that's coming or has arrived in the emergency room um and so typically what happens is that by the time your loved one gets to the er the team is already out there waiting waiting for you um because they know that this is truly a medical emergency you mentioned a lot of the suddens so would you say that many of the symptoms for a stroke are gradual or most of them are sudden? So is this something that maybe somebody's having for a certain time period? No, so basically, so to explain this better, uh, what happens is that, you know, your blood is flowing, right? You have that clot that is just, you know, cruising and flowing because it's small enough, it goes through different arteries in your, in your body and then it goes in your brain when it gets stuck and you, the blood flow stops, that's basically when symptoms start showing because okay. the brain cell you know, is dying, right? Um, and so typically stroke symptoms, they're very, um, it, it's sudden. Um, a lot of people are saying like, or some of my patients say they're eating and then suddenly they drop their fork and then okay. now they can't, you know, they can't lift up their hand. So, some of the statistics you said, Kat, uh, as far as women um, having strokes more often than men, are there common symptoms that are just for women when it comes to stroke? Um, not really symptoms, um, not the symptoms. A stroke is sort of, uh, it depends on where, uh, what part of your brain is affected, okay. right? But um, women they're they they have more risk than men generally and um and the reason for that is um you know a lot of women have high blood pressure um and then life expectancy you know the average life expectancy for men is 76 unfortunately and but for women they you know the average is up to 81 years old and if we say that stroke risk increases in age that's when you know like more women um get stroke the other unique risk factor for women is that a lot of younger people are using birth control pills and um postmenopausal if you are on a hormone replacement therapy um coupled with you know smoking that just increases your stroke risk exponentially um and it's known that one in eight women smoke actually smoke so um yeah so those are sort of like unique for women you had said kat that the 80 percent of stroke is preventable so what can somebody do to prevent a stroke yeah so number one is that you need to know what your risk factors are, right? Do you have, um, you know, high blood pressure, or do you do you have diabetes? Do you have high cholesterol, atrial fibrillation? Do you smoke? Are you a heavy drinker? And by definition, um, heavy drinker is more than two drinks per day for men, and uh, more than one drink per day for non-pregnant women, because of course, if you're pregnant, you shouldn't be drinking anyway, right? Um, so recognizing your, your risk factors um, 
and really just trying to manage them. So say, for example, if you have high blood pressure, make sure you take your meds, um, you limit salt intake, you monitor your blood pressure, um, things like that. If you have diabetes, then take care of your diabetes. Um, with diabetes, I really, I think it's really helpful for people to have uh, diabetic nutrition education um, because reading the labels in the back um, of, you know, of what you eat, right? There's like the nutrition label there. I think if you really know how to read it, it's really helpful to, you know, um, just just uh, making healthy choices when it comes to your food. So. So that's just it in general. And, you know, eat a healthy diet rich in fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, we can definitely, I mean, there's so much that we can do to prevent stroke. And at some point, um, we could do a follow-up talk about, you know, prevention. Yeah, we had already talked about doing that for February. So that's for, mm -hmm. that's for another day. I'm looking forward to that one too. But right. so if somebody asked, if I have a stroke, um, what are the chances I'm going to have another one? So recurrent stroke is uh, frequent. Um, the statistics say that one in four um, who recover from their first stroke will have another stroke within five years. That's why it's really important that you know your personal risk factors and you act on them, right? Um, even, let's say for example, uh, a lot of people say they had a mini stroke. Mini stroke uh, is sort of like the layman's term, but in medical terms, we call it transient ischemic attack or TIA. Mm -hmm. Basically, this is when you have symptoms and they went away after an hour, after a few hours, things like that. Um, for, for patients that had symptoms or you know had TIA, 10, 10 to 15% of them will have a full-blown full-blown stroke within three months if you don't address the risk factors. Something costs you to have those symptoms. Now, you need to go, you know, get evaluated. They'll do a lot of tests on you to find out what caused those symptoms. And that's what we're going to uh, be treating or, um, you know, working on so that you don't get that full-blown stroke. So consider that TIA sort of like a warning. So you had mentioned the, the fast that you need to get to the hospital as quickly as possible. So what kind of treatment is available for, for somebody that just had a stroke? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, there's a medication. Uh, it's an IV medication. It's called IVTPA or tissue plasminogen activator. Um, it's, uh, it's basically a clot buster. And what it does is, or how it's, uh, when is it, it's administered is that it can only be administered up to four and a half hours from the time your symptoms started. So if your symptoms started at 10 a.m., they can only give you the medication up until uh, 2.30 p.m. Um, and that's the reason why, you know, we need to get you to the hospital right away because there's still like testing that needs to be done and all that stuff. Um, the other uh, the other treatment that can be done with stroke who have um, you know a clot in any of the large vessels of the brain is uh, it's a minimally invasive procedure where they put in a catheter in your groin, um, they thread it up to your brain, and then they're able to pull out uh, or suction out the 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 clot that's in that large vessel in your brain. So um, that's one of the sort of like the newer procedures 
um, that have been discovered or you know that have been um, tried on um, for stroke treatments. Very good. Last question, Kat. So mm -hmm. if you have somebody who lives alone, what can you say to them to help improve their chances of survival if they if they have a stroke? That's a very good question um, because a lot of times when you have stroke, um, you may or may not have the perception that you're having a stroke, right? Because if your brain tissues are injured and you know you're not the same, your best bet is the bystander um, actually seeing or recognizing that you are having a stroke. Um, um, that's that's a difficult question. It's really. Um, I would say having somebody like check on you from time to time, having a family member maybe constantly like calling you at a specific uh, a specific time of the day. Um, and so when you don't pick up, um, then, you know, they may just come by and make sure that you're OK. Um, actually, one of my patients, they had that established with a. Uh, with her, with her son at 11 p.m. at night, every night they call, they talk yeah. on the phone. And so one time when he was calling and she wasn't picking up, it was like, okay, something is odd. So he went over and true enough, um, she was having, um, it wasn't a stroke, but um, she was having some sort of emergency. She couldn't get up, she fell um, and yeah. So establishing yeah, so really these relationships outside, yeah. Yeah, that importance of the caregiver or family member continually checking on their loved one, especially as they age and as they live alone. So, Kat, this is excellent stuff. How can people find you? They can call our phone number 240-690-9900. That's the main line to our office. Um, or you can also look us up at nestandcare.com. My email address is cat at nestandcare.com. Also, I wanted to, um, you know, if anybody is interested in, you know, in this uh, magnet, a fast magnet, I'm happy to mail them to you for free. Um, and really as part of, you know, like just me being um, a total advocate for stroke, I really want everybody to be educated on the signs and symptoms of stroke. Um, and so, because it could save anybody's life. It could save your family's life, right? So if you are interested in having uh, one of these magnets for yourself or your family members, um, just send me your email address, or no, send me your mailing address um, to cat at nestandcare.com and I'll mail uh, one out to you. Yeah, and just make sure everybody knows, uh, those that are listening, it's cat with a K. So um, That's right. <laughs> very good. Um, and so, Kat, we had talked about a follow-up webinar in in February. So mm -hmm. I encourage everybody to kind of keep a uh, to get with the newsletter to continually check with Kat and our website to see when uh, we launch this uh, webinar for February. Um, for knowledgeable aging, our webinars are put on our website, also on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube, type in knowledgeable aging. I encourage you to subscribe. We're updating the YouTube page you know, four to five times a week with new content. Um, if you are if you like a podcast, you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes. Until next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar, and this is Knowledgeable Aging. <laughs>